0: Welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at Highview Church. And I'm here today, as always, with our lead pastor, Chad Williams. Chad, how's it going, man?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Tyler Sweat, how are you, buddy?
0: I'm good. A lot has happened since we recorded <laughs> our last podcast.
1: Uh, yes. We're both at
0: home right now we're yep. in quarantine.
1: Yep. We are
0: social, social distancing is the new reality for us. Um, this is kind of weird for a church, right? We've been trying to think through all these different levels of how we work through this and, uh, it's getting kind of crazy. What, what are some of your thoughts as like lead pastor right now? Like, are you, are you just missing church?
1: Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I think that one, it's, um, I shared this uh, in a video, I think it's going up today, um, with the church uh, on Facebook, but basically uh, it's it's kind of twofold. One, I want us to embrace the reality that we are uh, the church scattered, yep. and that is certainly one of the ways that God has orchestrated the church's exponential growth for 2,000 years um, is through scattering. The church, mm-hmm. uh, through their inability, through persecution or famine or whatever it might be for 2000 years, there's been seasons where the church just cannot assemble the way they at one point could. Um, and so that's a part of our heritage
0: yeah. as
1: the church, uh, the church scattered is a part of that. Uh, but we're missing another fundamental part of church life, which is the church gathered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that rhythm of gathering and then scattering and gathering and scattering. We gather on the first day of the week and then we scatter for the rest of the week. Um, we're missing not only the gathering, but we're missing the rhythm of the gathering and then the scattering. And so um, just wrestling with that and uh, how that changes how we pastor. Uh, we just had a, a pretty long um, conference call on that, which again, that's now how we're pastoring together. We're, we're doing it uh, through technology and we're having these conversations uh, from home and right. uh, a lot of phone calls, a lot of text messages, a lot of emails, a lot of video conferences. So yeah, within the last uh, really 14 days, um, the way we pastor, yeah. the way we lead, and then the way we function as a church even, has been mm-hmm. uh, tremendously altered in a short period of time. And um, we're just uh, trusting the Lord with that and trying yeah. to lead others to do the same.
0: Absolutely. And of course, this is not just us that this is impacting. This is right. a wide reaching thing. And our, you know we are praying for our, our church and our nation and our world. Um, but today on the podcast we have a very special treat for all of you uh, today we have with us Dr Robert Carter uh, he's a scientist and a speaker with the Creation Ministries International uh, you can learn about him by reading his bio on creation.com uh but obviously we are uh, really glad to have him as a member of our church and so i just want to welcome Robert Carter to the podcast Rob how you doing man
2: hey guys i'm doing fantastic Looking forward to a fun conversation.
0: Absolutely. So if you don't know Rob, you should. He is uh, putting out a ton of content through yes. his new blogs and uh, his own podcast, and we'll put links to all of those in the description of our podcast today so that you can find those. And uh, if you haven't seen those, he's been talking a lot about this uh, new kind of novel coronavirus, and he just put out a really helpful video on that. So we're looking forward to being able to pick his brain as a scientist and someone who studies these things a lot more closely than than Chad and I do. So, um, Rob, we're uh, we're glad to have you on, buddy.
1: Me too. Yeah, I've missed it. Rob's in my small group. I've 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 missed Rob. <laughs> I'm a small group.
2: I'm just getting together with people.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's dive right in. Um, so, Rob, let, let me uh, for, first of all, again, thank you for uh, for joining us. Um, one of the first questions I wanted to throw at you, and and just get um, a, a scientist view on this. Uh, is uh, just answering the question, what is a virus? What is a virus?
2: You know, I like to answer that by comparing to computer viruses. Hmm. Uh, you got a computer, and someone can write a little teeny computer program that is designed to copy itself and send itself onto another computer. It's not really alive, it's just a little teeny thing that just makes a copy of it, its small little self and sends it somewhere else that's what a virus is. It's not really alive. It's a little teeny machine that can inject some DNA or RNA into a cell and that cell will make a new copy of it. And now that when a cell explodes with copies of these viruses, they go on and infect other cells. That's mm-hmm. really all it is. It's a little teeny machine. It's not alive and they cause lots of problems.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's very helpful. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this particular virus. Give me a thirty thousand foot view of COVID nineteen, uh, the this uh, novel coronavirus. We'll call it a lot of things throughout the day. Um, we've heard it compared to um, uh, SARS, which which uh, apparently it's it's closely related to to SARS. Um, but give us a where does COVID nineteen as a virus fit in with other viruses? What Talk a little bit about the family of viruses and just kind of what this thing is.
2: All right, but right. Let's take a step even further back than that first, and let's just acknowledge that there are a lot of viruses in the world, and most of them don't cause disease. Hmm. Most of them are really beneficial for us. They're really good for us, and we have more <laughs> viruses in our, in our belly than we have bacteria in our belly. And those viruses are controlling the bacteria. They're, they're keeping the species uh, in, in check and they're keeping the population of those bacteria in check. So they're actually beneficial for us. That's true in the oceans. It's true in lakes. It's true in all sorts of other species. Viruses are really good. But every once in a while, a virus jumps ship and it goes to a place where it's never been found before. And that usually causes lots of problems. It caused big problems within people in 1917 and 1918 when the Spanish flu popped into people who had never been here before. No one had an immunity to it. And millions upon millions of people died. Mm. Well, same thing happened recently with this coronavirus. It's just one of a family of viruses. Some of the really weak ones um, can give you a cold. So they've been circulating in people for a long time, but this new one, which when exactly where it came from probably from bats probably um it has jumped into people and it's spreading amongst people and we don't have any immunity to it and it can theoretically kill a lot of people
1: mm-hmm. how does the jump happen from animals to humans typically um uh, this is such a Um, it's a rare occurrence that our bodies encounter something of this magnitude. Um, pandemics don't happen every day. Um, so explain how, how that happens and why that's such a huge issue.
2: Most viruses are real specific and they only work within one species. They might be real, real sensitive to a body temperature or they need, what happens is when a virus attacks a cell, it has to grab onto the cell. And it needs something on the cell it can grab on to. And so they're really specific. Like, it only grabs onto that thing that's only found in a pig, or only found in a duck, or only found in an aardvark. But in oh, this
1: case... With nice nice job adding aardvark into that. Oh that's very God. good. God, <laughs> <Ardvark>. <laughs> of all the animals. What was it? Arthur. Arthur, right? Arthur the aardvark? Oh, oh, God.
0: Okay. Spare Arthur, please. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Personally, I'm
2: sorry. But... Usually viruses are really specific. They need a, a mm. specific thing on the outside of a cell to grab onto. Something like a flu virus, the grabber thing mutates a lot. Mm. And so sometimes that grabber thing, which is designed to grab onto a duck and virus, uh, influenzas are duck viruses. Hmm. They're all ducks carry influenza viruses and they usually don't cause them to be sick, but mm-hmm. if there's a mutation on that grabber thing all of a sudden, it doesn't quite grab right on the duck part, but it can grab on the thing that's similar in a human. And now okay. it can affect humans. This coronavirus, though, they are notorious for jumping between species. So mm. we, we've had people whose pets have been sick. People, who, Their dogs have gotten the coronavirus from the dog owner. Oh, wow. And so it goes from bats supposedly to pangolins another cool animal to people to dogs they can jump around really quickly and that that's that's the big problem with is is, it just jumps and when it jumps it causes big problems.
0: Mm.
2: Tyler?
0: Yeah so I'm trying to think think through obviously you know we we've seen pictures of what I'm assuming is just a maybe the virus itself. And so those little things that stick out, is that what you're talking about? The grabber?
2: <laughs> things? Yeah, those are the those grabbers.
0: Little... Yep. Okay. Um, and, and two, just a clarifying question, uh, from what I understand, uh, a coronavirus is not a new thing. Those a, a coronavirus is a type of virus. This is just a new type of coronavirus. Is that correct?
2: There, there's a very large family of viruses called coronaviruses. Okay. Some of them we know very well. Some of them we're only learning about now and they're they're found in weird things like fruit bats so Mm. you know whoever thought of going collecting a whole bunch of fruit bats and sequencing all the viruses in them well no one did until a couple years ago and when all of a sudden we're saying wait a minute there's a lot of really dangerous viruses out there and this happens to be one of those we hadn't seen it before no one had ever sequenced it before but it's very similar to other ones we found in those species Mm. and we've been worried about it i mean all the all the people studying this have been like this could be really really bad if one of these things jumps into people
0: so there were like, papers
2: about it and had conferences about it and now sure enough here it comes
0: right so effectively this this could happen again with another new virus that hasn't been sequenced yet or maybe has but hasn't learned how to be contained is that like something I, that can happen again?
2: I would expect it to
0: yeah yeah
2: I mean we've had you know any number of plagues throughout human history, I mean, entire wow. cities get wiped out, entire countries get wiped out, millions and millions of people die, you know, at all these different periods in history. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, this is something that happens and it's something that we need to acknowledge could mm. be a problem. Doesn't mean it is a problem, but it could right. be a problem and we had to say, okay, if this happens, what should our response
0: be? Right. Yeah, I think that's something that I've, I've thought through not just in in church world, but in the world at large. Uh, I think we've been um, We've been hurt by our level of comfort for the last significant amount of time. Um, we we've been relatively um, cozy in in the course of human history. If you kind of look back, you know, like you're mentioning uh, plagues and viruses, those are things we read about in history, but they're not things we experience now, right? They're not things that happen in our uh, 21st century world. But yes, they are. Here it is, and and you're absolutely right. We we need to learn how to most effectively respond, um, because we just haven't had to during the last several hundred years.
2: Yeah, we have, we have forgotten what suffering is like. I mean, my right. great-grandfather died of tuberculosis. Two of my great grand mm. great-uncles died of tuberculosis. Both of my great-aunts didn't make it to age five. Mm. My, uh, my father got tuberculosis, and my great-uncle, after World War II, got tuberculosis, but they had just invented penicillin. Right. So my dad's now 82 years old and he's still kicking, doing just fine because he spent a year yeah. in a hospital in high school getting penicillin and he's alive. So
0: that- and, and I even just caught myself saying that this hasn't happened in the last few hundred years. But I mean, obviously, you're mentioning things that have happened within decades. So I think that just shows even our our cultural mindset is, oh, this isn't real. You know, this is something that happens way back. In, but actually, these are things that that have happened more recently than we than we realize. Just
2: consider the Israelites in the Bible, how quickly they forgot Yeah. time and time again. God bless them with this amazing thing. And mm-hmm. just a couple years later, the next generation, they're just complete pagans again and, and disregarding God. I mean, this is people. This is us. This is it's me so and you and everybody listening. Man, we are just really selfish and really short-sighted, and mm. that's human nature.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was. I, I, I shared this with the uh, the other pastors I was speaking to earlier uh, on the conference call. Um, that the the sheer global scope of this, um, the church has dealt with pandemics many times over the last two thousand years, mm-hmm. um, uh, sometimes in in very very large numbers, um, including uh, the the. Spanish flu of 1918. Uh, we have a lot of documentation surviving how the church dealt with that, uh, and what happened with fairly modern history. Um, but the, the sheer global nature of this, um, I, there's probably, I, I had this thought recently, there's probably not been a, a pretty much global shutdown of church assembling in church history all at once. Um, and the the thought once we of went
2: global, once we get out of the Roman Empire, essentially, yeah,
1: right. But mm-hmm. even the even the Roman Empire itself, like, so vast, so broad. Yeah. Um. And but the but the the global world we live in. Um. The fact that this thing originated eight thousand miles away, yeah. and um, here we are uh, in a matter of uh, essentially weeks. I mean, it's been months, but it, but but I, you know. A short amount of time, just unbelievable. Um, Rob, I want to I want to dive into. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the first SARS in comparison to the SARS. Um, okay. Uh, a, a doctor friend of mine, he described it. He was like, um, and, and I don't know if this is crass or not, but he basically said, "Hey, listen, um, you 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 like, you like Star Wars movies, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course." And he's like, "Okay, the best way I can compare f- this, the first SARS and this." It's it's it is Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. It's darker. It's more aggressive. Mm. It's it's the sequel is far more intense than the first one, and um, you know, looking at some of the stats for, for those of you who don't know, uh, first SARS, This was an early 2000s thing, um, 2002, 2004, right around in there. Um, it, it did have a 15% mortality rate. Mm. There were 774 global deaths, but only 9,000 or 8,000 cases, give or take. Um, So this thing did not – it also originated in China. And, Rob, you can fact-check me on on this stuff too. Um, But but it did originate in China. Um, It is a coronavirus, obviously. It is a coronavirus. By the way, SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. Did Did I get that right? You
2: did. And this is another one. This is also a SARS
1: This is Mm. I have a I have a PhD checking my show prep, so (laughs) so uh, we first see this thing at the end of two thousand two. There there is a vaccine available for the first SARS, uh, which is uh, good news. But um, also, again, another similarity: um, elderly people had a really hard time with the first SARS statistically. Fifty-five percent um, higher death rate in the first SARS among 60 and over than even this particular, uh, virus. So Mm -hmm. here's my question. SARS, uh, the, the first go around, obviously extreme, a very intense coronavirus, um, that I assume is similar, at least genetically to what we're seeing now, maybe in the same family. Yeah. Same family. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so here's the question, uh, why is this such a, uh, uh, the scope of this pandemic, the sequel, COVID-19, why is the scope of it so much broader? Why, did it, why is it spreading so much quicker? And, uh, and, and kind of compare those two viruses, if you would.
2: Looking at the uh, genetics of it, a lot of scientists have looked at the genetics of these guys. And um, it just looks like this new one is a lot better at infecting people. It's a lot easier to pass from one person to the next. And so therefore it's just, it just swept across the world really quickly, but also it doesn't get you sick right away, Mm. which means you're passing it on to more people because you don't know you're sick yet. Right. And that's just insidious. That's just mean.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. The fact that it was 10 to 14 days before you show the first symptom.
2: Yeah. That's, that's that's supposedly what it's like now a couple of months from now, we're going to have a much better numbers. Mm. Right now, this is all really brand new, um, yeah. and we're not exactly certain of a lot of things. But yeah, it's got a long incubation period, and apparently, you're infective during that incubation period.
1: Wow! So that's that's bad. Yeah. What is um What is a virus doing when it sheds? What do you mean sheds? The, I've heard about viral shedding.
2: Um, oh no, that's, the... that's your shedding viruses. Okay. You're, mm. you're producing viruses and they're coming out of your body. Mm. You're coughing, you know, spitting, you know, touching things. Okay. And the viruses are shedding off of you.
1: Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. That's helpful. Okay. So walk me through um, this particular virus. Um, some are, as you mentioned, um, s- some are very slow to show symptoms. Yeah. Some people. Some, amazingly, show almost no symptoms which is yeah. mind-blowing how does that how does that happen
2: i i don't know yet this mm-hmm. is it's, this is a mystery to me i don't understand why children aren't really getting it or if they do get it they recover more quickly that's mm-hmm. really weird contrary to that the 19 17, 18 flu it killed 20 year olds mm-hmm. the old people and the young people weren't affected by it as much but The reason for that is that the healthier your immune system was, the more reaction you could have against the flu when people were having this massive reaction and then getting pneumonia Mm. Mm. because all the junk they were producing in their lungs, bacteria grew in there, and they're all dying of pneumonia. Even after the flu is finished, Mm. they just die of pneumonia. And that was the 20 year olds, the 30 year olds. So this one's actually the opposite. And in one way, it's the older you get, the more likely you are to, uh, to be really sick. And if you're a smoker, if you have heart disease, if you're diabetic, if you have hypertension, I suspect if you have a cystic fibrosis, uh, you'd be much, much more likely to be severely, uh, severely compromised or even um, dead if you catch this.
1: Mm. Why does this? Why is this virus so much worse on the older population?
2: I, again, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. We need more time to study it. We've only had yeah. what two months.
0: Yeah, that's the scary thing about all this. Is you know, that really we're we're still on the front. We're still on the front end. Um, there's yeah. even all the the you know spreading that we've seen. Um, it's kind of scary to say that this could. I mean, this is just the beginning, right?
2: Yeah. Give us mm. ten years. We'll be able to look yeah. back and we'll be able to do all this explanation. Here's how it worked. Here's how it worked in the cell. Mm. This is what chemicals – oh, and people who were eating this food didn't get it, but this temperature over here, you know, when or mm. we'll know so much more. Yeah. So we might even so, be able to say if you have this gene, you're more likely to survive. Wow. Or if you <laughs> have this gene, you're more likely to get it.
1: Mm. We, wow.
2: We simply don't know yet, and that's definitely part of it.
1: Can, can you talk a little bit about um... – so fast forward, um, I'm just kind of looking at the last 20 years of, of, pandemics. And obviously this is a different scale than either one of these two pandemics, um, in some respects, but, um, but certainly H1N1 was a really big deal, really, really big deal. Um, a, a type of flu. And so we're talking, uh, 2009, 2010, um, was when this particular uh, virus became uh, an issue. Um, 60 million cases of this, uh, almost 300,000 deaths worldwide. Uh, the death rate was 0.02 percent, uh, much much lower than COVID-19 has been thus far. Um, can you compare what what are the what are the comparisons between the h1n1 pandemic and this one? Well, I just
2: happened to have written a scientific paper on that H1N1 hey, pandemic. What
1: wow. are the odds?
2: In fact, I just um, my co-author just sent me an email this morning. And said we're in the ninety-fourth percent of all the uh, papers written in this mm. this this journal. It's like yeah, ninety-fourth percentile. Wow. That's
0: great. So, so hey, we appreciate you doing. We, we appreciate you doing your homework for this podcast.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but the fear of this was um remember i said about the grabber things mm-hmm. the flu has a thing that grabs onto another thing that sticks out of the cell it turns out that pigs and people have the same exact thing hmm. so if a flu virus figures out how to infect a pig it can also infect a person and vice versa
0: hmm. yeah
2: so the 1917 18 h1n1 influenza virus had been circulating in pigs for 100 years wow. and in people for 100 years independently Every once in a while, a person would get a pig one or a pig will get a person one, but they had two different strains and two different families that developed independently. But then the pig one picked up a couple of genes from a bird flu. And because it had a, a couple of you know, fresh pieces of DNA, everyone was really worried that this was going to be a killer. Mm. And when it jumped into people, everyone said, oh, no, here it comes. Well, it turns out that it wasn't really that big a deal. It wasn't any more deadly than the annual seasonal flu. I mean, a lot of people died from it, true, and it's a tragedy, but it wasn't any more deadly. And the paper that I wrote, we explain this because 100 years of mutation accumulation, the viruses weren't as robust as they were when they first entered the people. They're just falling apart. And so even though this pig one picked up a fresh piece of DNA from a bird virus, it it was decrepit. And it wasn't any more deadly than the regular annual seasonal flu,
1: Mm.
2: because it was old. But something like uh, SARS was brand new. This new coronavirus is brand new. It's burning hot, and it's burning fast in people. Yeah, it's it's mutating very quickly, and this is a good thing. We want it to mute. Mutation will destroy it. Mm. See, I'm, I'm doing the opposite of an evolutionary argument. The evolutionary mm-hmm. argument, oh, if it mutates, it might get worse. That's not actually what we see in science. If it mutates, it gets decrepit. In fact, wow. if that's how they treat AIDS. One of mm. the main ways of getting rid or keeping HIV low in a person's body is they give them things that cause mutations. Mm. And as the virus mutates, they're all, you know, they're falling apart, literally.
0: So is it like the idea of a copy of a copy of a copy is going to fade over time? Yep. If you're not getting the original, it's going to... Yep.
1: Okay.
2: exactly exactly and so since we're immunologically naive to this we don't have any antibodies to this and it's fresh mm. it, it's it's burning fast Much. uh the 1917 version after a couple of years it stopped killing people it mm. was not the scourge it was that first year it came out in several waves that first year and mm. then it just slowed down wow yeah you know, some people were dying but not you know millions of people anymore
0: right this is So is what to i'm your,
2: for this coronavirus that is gonna go decrepit
0: and yeah to so your the best quick, estimate i'm sorry go to oh, say to your, your best estimate rob what what does the time scale of something like that truly look like i mean i'm sure it's different for it, each virus we don't know a ton yep. about this one what what might that look like just to your best estimate
2: ask me in 10 years and i'll tell you what the answer was okay <laughs> this is just a giant we don't know yeah and it's a giant, we have to trust scientists and trust governments. Ugh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, and, but it's also, it's just, this is a case for mercy. Mm. We as healthy people, I mean, I'm, I'm 51. I'm not in the giant risk category and I'm a healthy person. If I get it, you know, I might not feel very sick. I might be sick for a couple of days, but mm-hmm. I don't want to go visit my parents. Right. Right. I don't want to you know, go hug on Chad's grandmother or something like that. I mean, yeah. a, a, we need to be protective of the most vulnerable people in our society. And right. there's some Christians out there, disturbingly, who are like, ah, oh, let's just let it burn its course. You know, it's all okay. It's like, no, man, we mm-hmm. have to protect the innocent. That's, that's a giant part of Christianity. Right. You don't just go... You know, rolling around, oh, I just ran that person over. Whoops, he should have gotten out of the way. That's not the, the response we should have to things like this.
1: Right. right. So, um, Rob, walk us through a little bit about how will seasonal change um, you know, given what we know about coronaviruses and how they respond to changes in humidity, temperature, uh, those kind of things. Um, what does that give us hope that we are now stepping into a season where typically viruses have a bit of a tougher time, at least in our hemisphere?
2: Uh, yeah, there is an unknown certain uh, uncertainty about this, but there is hope. We, we all know that the flu kind of disappears usually in the summertime, almost. It never quite disappears, but almost does. And colds typically almost disappear in the summertime. So maybe this will help too. There's, there's something about sunlight, there's something about vitamin D, there's something about uh, humidity and how fast the little drop of water the virus is trapped in will evaporate, mm. and how big that little drop of water stays over time—all those things influence the transmissibility. Also, in the wintertime, we're all cooped up; yep. we all stay inside. In the summertime, we're outside a lot more, so therefore, we're not—we're not. Let's see—we're farther apart on average from people in the summertime than we are in the wintertime, mm. and there's a lot more fresh air in the summertime. And so, all those things play come into play. I did read a paper last week, a little skeptical about it, but they what they did is they looked at the weather patterns across the world over the last two months, and they mm. said Wuhan, China, northern Italy, Washington State, and Iran all had the same weather for about two mm. months.
1: So,
2: and they wow. said that must be the sweet spot for the virus. Now, I'm not sure about that. But those are the places that got hit first and got hit the biggest, and so right. maybe it likes a certain temperature, and hope you know. Hopefully, the weather will change.
1: Yeah. Um, what What is the uh, there are now right now? There's there's a lot of uh, conversation about two medications. Yep. That um, are uh, hydrochloroquine. Am I? Am I? Is that correct? Close, Close enough. enough. Okay, uh, And there's another, there's another, um, I don't have any of my notes. Um, there's another, uh, it's a pak Z-Pak, Z-Mac? I don't know. Anyway, there were two, two medications that basically augmented each other when taken um, to uh, deal with this uh, severe uh, immune system response in some people that COVID-19 uh, creates which then makes them susceptible to pneumonia. Uh, for example, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that being kind of a, a trait of uh, coronaviruses, uh, they tend to uh, really freak out your immune system uh, in some different ways, um, which causes other issues. But uh, tell me what, from from a biological standpoint, um, what are your... Prospects. What are your thoughts on uh, those? And they're both known medications, right? We've been taking yeah, these. They're known, for, they're
2: approved. They've not been right. approved for use for this particular disease, but we they've been around for you know 50 years.
1: Yeah, and, and I had someone in the medical profession, uh, another uh, member of our church yeah. who, who had reached out to me and just said, I, I'm actually optimistic about what, you know, what this looks like. But um, share, uh, share, share what your thoughts are from a biological standpoint.
2: All right, so there's been several uh, scientific studies using different medicines, and several of them have focused in on these things that are derived from quinine, which is uh, the old-fashioned malaria treatment. Uh, Today, uh, people with lupus would typically be on this, you know, lupus being an immune system uh, issue, uh, would typically be on this, and and so it's in production, it's in the pipeline, you can get it at pharmacies, uh, and it looks really promising. If we can make enough,
1: hmm.
2: and that's right now, I mean, you know, suppliers would be like, okay, there's, you know, hundred thousand people with lupus, And this is all we're making. All of a sudden there's millions of people with this coronavirus. Well, a factory is a factory. It can only do so much. So I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be available, but it's an amazing thing that we, we focused upon this so quickly. This has probably been the fastest studied disease in world history. Hmm. I mean, within two or three weeks, we had multiple DNA sequences of this thing online that you could just download. And so people immediately, they got onto it and they started studying it. And I've got really, really huge, impressive hope that we're going to find a way to deal with this really quickly. And I hope so. Because, you know, the the doom and gloom people are like, oh, it's going to be years before we can stop social distancing. That's not true. Right. But it might be months still.
0: So let's let's move to that part of the the discussion um you know we've been told a lot of things over the last few weeks we've been encouraged to do a lot of things over the last few weeks by reputable sources and non-reputable sources right we've yeah. been encouraged to respond to this thing uh through memes in certain ways uh through actual news you know releases through local officials um just talk us through what's right and good to be doing right now? And what are some of those things you address this, uh, you know, largely in the video we mentioned, uh, but what are some of the things that you've heard around that just aren't helpful?
2: Uh, there's a lot of things that are not helpful. And usually if you're just hearing something the first time, some new medical treatment is probably not correct. And I don't mm. want to, you know, insult anyone who's you know grabbing on one of these alternatives, but, you know, essential oils, um, Vitamins, uh, hair dryers up your nose, gargling, <laughs> uh, um, gargling salt water or vinegar. These, none of those things are antidotes or cures. And you know, some of them might make you feel better, and it's not necessarily bad. But the hair dryer blowing up hot air up your nose is really, really dumb and bad. And you know, and hopefully that meme will go away very quickly. <laughs> but there's there's um nearly four hundred thousand cases now. And sure, 100,000 of those have recovered, but I mean, the U.S. is now third. We've got over 40,000 cases. Yeah. Last Thursday, I did a recording, and I said on camera, 7,000 cases. Yeah, that was wow. last Thursday. Now it's Monday, and we got 41,000. I mean, this is unbelievably fast, and we got to be really careful what we tell people about as far as you know, healing and things like that. The body's going to heal we, you know, naturally we recover from things if we don't die. But I don't know of any of the alternative ideas that actually hold water. I haven't seen one yet.
0: Mm.
1: With the uh, rapid um, spread, um, and and at least the the numbers exponentially going up, Uh, you just mentioned they're going up very, very fast. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have a, a thought on that. I wanted to, I wanted you to to kind of tell me if if I'm correct in thinking this way. At this point, the 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 hope uh, is the numbers are going to go up, and and the reason why the numbers are going to go up is because one people are infected. Two, we can test them now, and tests yeah. are happening at yeah. a much 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 higher rate than yep. than they were a week ago, um, even. And so we're recording this on a Monday. Um, and so by the time you listen to this um, <laughs> we don't know what, what the situation will be really but, yeah. um, but the numbers have gone up exponentially um, especially in recent days because we finally were testing people at a rate we weren't testing people before so the, the, the question is not uh, will the numbers go up the, 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 the thing is it's how much will they go up yeah. uh, because we know they're yeah. going to go up that's just going to happen as we test more people um, but, uh, and can we blunt the, the spread and the exponential nature of the spread enough to not completely stress out our healthcare system, um, and the uh, limited availabilities that it has. Um, so for me, when I'm looking at hope, tell me if I'm right or wrong, I should be looking at, yes, numbers are going to go up, um, in the short term because we're testing people. Um, but the prayer is the numbers don't go up um, at a ridiculously high rate in the coming couple weeks and that mm-hmm. we can at least hopefully blunt with social distancing, blunt the spread enough to keep us in a range where we can actually care for people when they do get seriously ill Yep. and kind of ride this out and um, Uh, Until we see uh, these levels uh, decreasing, like we are seeing, um, you know, obviously mainland China, very few cases, new cases being reported now, although that could, I know, I know that 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 will probably go up um, as they go back to work and the like, um, maybe, Um, or maybe those facts are just not facts at all, because.
2: Yeah, we we can't (laughs) really know anything that's not in the, in the Western world. Mm. Yeah. Good point. And I can't see how China's going to keep it out if they've gotten rid of it. Well, it's going to come back to China from other countries. So you we've know, right. got some issues there.
1: So would you agree the numbers are going to go up? Let's pray they don't go up exponentially as we test more. Like, we, Let's pray they're not exploding numbers, but we know they're going to go up. Um, I mean, would you agree with just that overall kind of that, – that seems to be what's being communicated?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We don't know where the peak is going to be. Um, we don't know anything, mm. so we have to plan accordingly and we have to be calm and we have to pray and we have to mm. make sure we're, you know, paying attention to the people in our communities and our churches that need help because they do. Mm. And if they can't get out, man, and they're probably bored stiff, by the way, grandma would probably appreciate a phone call from mm. grandkids because I mean, yeah, anyway, <clears throat> sorry.
0: All right. Uh, 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 Dr. Robert has given us some homework. After this podcast, go call grandma.
1: <laughs> Rob, any idea on, um, or any any theory? Uh, I've heard several, I'm just curious to get your take on this, on Italy. Well, Italy is a disaster. Um, yeah. I mean, and uh, looking at the size of the, I, I know some, someone mentioned, uh, I, I believe they're third or second or third in total cases. Um, they're second. Well, Second, okay, that's staggering considering how much larger, from a population standpoint, we are to to Italy. Uh, Mm. Just the sheer size, but but why is Italy? Why why is the population and the death rate in Italy is unbelievably high?
2: Too, Um, I I cannot say exactly. It might have something to do with smoking rates of smoking. They have a very old population Mm. or old people percentage wise in Italy than here um i they might have connections to the world and they might have connections to iran and if that's true there might be a lot of flow of people but i, you know, I don't know and i'm not i'm certainly not trying to be a racist or sure. to slam on one particular world religion necessarily in this context anyway um but and they also might have a um a different way of reporting I heard one doctor say that we are reporting anyone who has coronavirus, we're saying they died of coronavirus, even if they had a heart attack. And mm. it might be that Germany's not reporting that same way. So mm. those sorts of things are things for statisticians to work out in the future. Mm. And every world health system is different. They have just different ways of doing things. And so it's not necessarily easy to compare one to the other. Yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's helpful. Um so Rob what are one or two takeaways for our church or our listeners you know we we have uh, some listeners that are around the world what's one or two things that we can be doing differently uh, to help our communities with the spread of the virus uh, but also just share from your Christian perspective what are some ways we can just be a good neighbor during this during this season
2: Well all the old uh, all the memes you're seeing right now about hand washing those those are excellent yeah. i mean fantastic you know clean clean your hands when you're done going to store or you know don't yeah. touch your face that, that is great in fact i'm kind of thinking that this whole coronavirus thing is going to change world health because it's going to change the way we do things mm. for generations
0: right Well, we think we'll certainly think differently after all this is over for yeah. sure
2: but you know, we need to be calling the members of our church that we know are housebound or elderly. Yeah. Uh, we got to be checking up on young mothers. Um, in fact, yeah. a, a friend of mine, I brought them a bag of food the other day because he has no more jobs. Wow. Yeah. And he's got a couple of kids and he's, yeah. you know, and this is hard. So we got to, yeah. fact, that unemployment is going to skyrocket. Mm. Yeah. And unemployment checks do not cover the salary that the person used to have. And all right. these people making life plans based on what they thought was going to be a stable salary when it gets taken away, ouch. So we have to compassionately prepare ourselves to catch people when they hit bottom, and it's going to be happening a lot. But this also gives the opportunity to serve non-Christians. Yeah. It gives the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus Christ and uh, the the gospel and the hope for the future. I mean, when people are staring death in the face, this is a great time to tell them about Jesus.
0: Yeah, Amen. I, yeah, I think this is uniquely a season. Obviously, we believe God is in control of all of this, um, but it's a a great time for the church to truly be the church. Um, I know, just even from Highview's point of view, we've had to think through a lot of unique new things that we're doing to keep up with this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, And perhaps other churches for the first time are actually thinking intentionally and missionally, uh, locally, but also for the world, um, which I think is a a good consequence of this. If it at least gets us thinking differently about the world around us, that's a a net positive, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think for a really long time, um, for the last, particularly the last 30 or 40 years, the conversations and uh, even around evangelicalism internally, like within the church, have been largely about how we assemble, yep. why we assemble, who we assemble for. Um, so, so you had, you know, twenty twenty five years of a conversation um, at the academic level and at the church level about seeker sensitive versus um, uh, the 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 church. Assembly is for Christians only, and, and, and all these other, you know, is it attractional, or is it missional? Um, and now I think what's, what's happening is we're having to think about um, mm. what it means to be the church scattered, and we're having to think very diligently about it, and we're going to have to be theologically um, sharp in, in how we think through this, and we're also going to have to, to have our uh, historical theology sharpened through this. We need to understand how the church has historically handled not being able to gather the same way that they were mm-hmm. used to gathering. And what that meant for, uh, ultimately, the, the propagation of the gospel. Um, and, and and how that, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, one of our pastors, I mentioned this uh, in a sermon a couple weeks ago, uh, one of our pastors, Kyle McClark, uh, at Ivy Church, shared an incredible uh, uh, Facebook uh, post uh, talking about this very issue. And he was talking about, look, the church, have you ever wondered why so many hospitals are named after saints? Yeah. Uh, why? Yeah. Because periodically throughout throughout the course of church history, the church has had to step into a gap to meet the needs of suffering people and that our legacy worldwide is tied directly to those moments when we stepped up and we stepped out and we, we served those who are most vulnerable. Um, in our case, the way we can best serve the most vulnerable right now is to stay away from them. Um, uh, and, and that sounds completely backwards and counterintuitive, but it, it appears to be, um, at least in the short, short term, the best way for us to, to make sure we're caring for the vulnerable is by not assembling. And so, um, I think that the church now, uh, has to, has to think very deeply about what it means to be the church when we're not assembling yep. and, and what that looks like. Um, just like scientists, um, we don't have a lot of answers right now. We probably have more questions than answers, um, but, uh, but we all should be every Christian should be um, diving into the word right now and prayerfully discerning what it means to be the church scattered in a time of health crisis worldwide and mm. what we can do to be a light on a hill right now. And, uh, and so I believe that um, the church um, all, the, the, the people who have, uh, who have pronounced this is the beginning of the end for the church are sorely mistaken um, the church um, historically is that, that um, uh, apocalyptic avoiding cockroach you always hear about who somehow emerges
0: <laughs> out
1: of the out of the uh, the, the nuclear winter um, alive um,
0: yeah
1: I think actually if you if you actually traced the church um, scattered through persecution and endangered by pandemic, you would actually see great revivals that happened um, historically. Yes. Um, and so uh, I am, uh, just as uh, Dr. Carter is extremely optimistic about the long-term um, uh, nature of this uh, issue physically. We're going to figure this out scientifically. We're going to be uh, better prepared five, ten years from now. Um, I am extremely optimistic about the church's future. Um mm. uh, Uh, spiritually from this. Um, And my prayer is that we will develop a serious longing and appreciation for the church assembled as we are unable to do so. And, uh, and I believe that we will, I believe there'll be things that uh, I think we're going to wash our hands more. Yes. Uh, But I think we should keep our hands open um, Hmm. as well. And, uh, and should be uh, living that, kind of poured out life right now as best we can uh for the sake of others and if that means not going somewhere mm. <laughs> um then get a book or get the book there you and go. uh and uh and bunker down and uh, we'll get through this and this
2: is a time for us I mean, we all this extra time we have because we're not commuting You know, we're not going going to church Mm -hmm. on Sunday mornings, all this extra time. And yet Netflix is, I wish I had invested in Netflix two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, So church, people, come on, let's let's sacrifice some of our extra free time that we suddenly have and and use it Mm. for God instead of ourselves. And I I tell you, I'm struggling with this Mm. big time. It's so easy just to sit on my couch and turn the TV on. So I'm accusing myself and encouraging myself and I'm challenging all of us. We need, we need to get down into the word also.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, social distancing does not have to equal spiritual distancing. Um, and, uh, we should, uh, yeah, embrace, embrace solitude, embrace, uh, what this, uh, what this brings. Um, it is temporary, Mm -hmm. um, no matter what, um, And uh, I'm hoping there's some type of, uh, you know, we're we're to long for uh, when things are okay, when things are fine, we're to long for uh, the time when we will all gather uh, around the throne, every tongue, every tribe represented, Mm -hmm. singing praises to Jesus forever in sinless bodies where uh, there's no COVID-19 in heaven. Don't worry. Um, We should long for that. Uh, What's interesting about this is while we can't, we can't assemble on earth either right now. So there's these layers mm. of longing that I think we should actually see as good things. Um, yep. the, the fact that uh, I woke up Sunday and uh, my daughter was like, time to go to church. And I'm like, no, we can't. That makes me sad. And that's mm. okay. That's okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's okay to feel those longings. And they will only intensify um, in the in the days and weeks ahead. But uh, But they are echoes of a deeper, bigger longing we have um for the assembly that we are not able to be a part of yet um and so uh so seeing that uh, for what it is i think will be helpful
0: yep um obviously one of the best things that people can do during this time is uh take some time out to listen to the high podcast <laughs> uh, so we're gonna shameless ramp, plug ramp this thing back up and hopefully be giving more content out as we are separating. Great time from to one catch another.
1: up. We have That's how right. many episodes, Tyler? We got two seasons uh, worth, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we've got we've got a ton that people can wade through, and uh, we're excited to be putting this one out again. Thank you, Doctor Robert Carter. Yes. as we call you Rob. Thank you so much for coming on wow. today.
1: Well, really guys. appreciate your insight. We are thankful for you, brother. Thankful for your insight and uh, serving the church uh, with that insight. So we uh, uh, thank you very much. Check out Biblical Genetics.
0: Yeah, give, I want to give you .com. a couple of give, seconds. Give them the plugs. Plug, plug anything. How can we find you, Rob?
2: Um, my main employer, uh, Creation Ministries, has a website called creation.com, and that's where almost all of my articles and videos are. Um, but I do, I do have this little side gig called biblicalgenetics.com, where I'm producing videos and a podcast, which I haven't plugged into the podcast engines yet because I haven't figured mm-hmm. out how yet but I've done six episodes and I've got a whole bunch more coming down the pike right now. So that's where I am, those two places.
0: Fantastic, and we'll link to all of those places that you can find uh, all the great things that uh, Dr. Carter's putting out. And uh, I know we benefit from those. We talk about those things in the office regularly. So we're excited to have you uh, as part of the Highview family. And uh, also want to be thankful uh, to all of our listeners. Glad that you jumped on today to catch this podcast. And if you would, please go and share this with your friends, share it on social media, Uh, give us a like and a comment or a five-star rating if you can on your platform. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again really soon.